Thank you. Uh, amen. So tonight, before we get started, again, appreciate your giving. Thank you, Platform Workers. Uh, we've got a couple of things we want to do. We had a, been having some great outreach. We want to get a couple testimonies on that. I believe uh, uh, Tay and Ray's going to come. Uh, so we're going to do that. And uh, if I can get uh, uh, Andre and Carla Brooks to come up as well. When we do that, and first Andre and Carla, once you come up. Uh, so Stephen and Shelly, if you know Shelly's like way pregnant. So uh, uh, this ministry is kind of getting a little bit too much now. So they've been praying they uh, wanted to hand the ministry of the teens off. And, and they asked Andre and uh, Carla, and they jump around. And, and I believe he, they got the mind of God. There's a couple right now that can lead the teens, do something with them. They got a heart for them. I know that. So they're going to be our teen leaders. So I want to lay hands on that. Stephen to come up. Uh, they're come to the center, they're going to pray for them. And they don't need an introduction. Everybody here knows them. They're, they're servers. They love the church. And we know they're going to do a great job with the teens. They've got a couple of their own as well. So I know they're going to do very well with them. And, and I'm so glad they responded to it. So I want to lay hands on them, pray for them. Pray God give them his mind tonight, give them love for these teens. Teens are a lot of work. They're big bodies and still got the minds that are developing and need straightened out sometimes. So, so big guy here. So, so anyway, we're going to pray for him, Stephen. You help me lay hands. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus tonight. Pray for wisdom here. Father, I pray by the Holy Ghost tonight. God, give Andre and Carla wisdom, God, as they lead these teens. God, give them understanding. I pray, God, give them teens that will labor with them. God, love them. Get behind them. Help them. I pray, God, give an anointing and grace of God upon them. In Jesus' name, we pray, God, for many teens to come through their hands. God, workers and laborers for your kingdom, they develop them. God, I pray by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Amen. You think say to him, Stephen? All right, God bless you, man. So, uh, Tay, if you can come, Ray, if you can come very quickly, we're going to get a couple testimonies of what God's been doing these outreaches. Uh, very quickly, if you can come. Man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, like, uh, everyone. So, the, the Blitz, oh, man. Like, going out here at, these, at the Walmart, has just been like supernatural. Um, every person I've talked to have been just open. Uh, I haven't had no one to resist listening to what I have to say. Everyone, all ears. Um, I'm actually on some t on some of my witnesses. I'm having to wrap it up because I want to talk to somebody else. So, um, but yeah, it's just been it's been a really good experience. Um, I just want to talk about two uh, witnesses that I did have that really touched me because it was like, man, it was just so on time. And so the one I want to talk about, it was a young young girl, um, well, a lady, and um, I was kind of like stalking her a little bit. And so um, I, I think she caught whiff of me stalking her, so she was just like looking back, like, what you what what you want? And so um, when I went up on, on went up to talk to her, I told her, I said, hey, you know, I'm not I'm not a crazy or anything, um, but I, I feel like God wanted me to speak to you and tell you that, you know, I just began to just 
give her a word. I said, you know, your yesterday is yesterday, but you know, you need to live for tomorrow. And I just began to witness and tell her about how Jesus loves her and that, you know, second chances and things like that. Without even asking her, you know, um, how her relationship with God was. And I said, you know, why am I telling you all this? Can you, you know, can you help me out? <laughs> and so she said, you know, she said, uh, I don't supposed to be here right now. And so I was like, well, what, what, does, what does that mean? And so she was like, you know, um, two years ago, um, you know, I got shot. And she said that the bullet, um, she said I was an innocent bystander. And she said when the bullet went in me or whatever, she said it was because I had my hand on my side that the bullet fell out and it didn't puncture her lungs. And she said, um, she said the thing is, is she's been thinking about it because it's been two years and ever since that happened, she's never stepped foot in a church. And she knows that, you know, it's been, that's been like on her mind, like, you know, I need to serve God, like I need to be in a church. And so here it is front and center here, you know, so she was like, you know, I'm coming because God had already been dealing with her. And here it is, two years have gone by, you know, and um, her, just her appreciation for God saving her, literally her life. And then, I had another situation. Um, I had um, I saw a lady and I was talking to someone, but I couldn't get to her at the time. But God, just so gracious, I was able to see her again. And when I saw her, she blessed me with some kind words. So it was like really easy to get into this here witness. So as we began to witness, um, well, as we began to talk, um, um, and she's here today, yeah. Laura. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and I asked Laura if it was okay if I shared this. So we, um, we talked and everything, and you know, it, this was also an on-time witness um, because Miss Laura, she just lost her husband less than 30 days ago. And um, you know, and she's been, she said she's been looking for a good church. She just wanna be around some good people. She's in a, you know, she's in a time, she's in an hour in her life where she just really just need, you know, just real relationships. So, um, you know, and she was just like, you know, she was just so thankful just for our encounter. She was like, hey, you wanna go to the park? You wanna go hang out, like now? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we'll get up, but she promised me she'll be here today, and she came, thank you. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name's Ray. For those of y'all don't know me, um, it's like Miss Tay said. Uh, there's been uh, just a lot of openness. Uh, I walked around with Tyler uh, at the Blitz yesterday, and uh, we didn't get rejected, not by one person. And uh, we spoke to eight people the whole time we were there, and uh, we were able to pray with every single one of them. And uh, the other cool thing is they were all 20 or less. They were all young people. And, uh, you know, just the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just asking them that question Pastor Howard told us to ask them about, you know, where they would end up when they stand before God to, to really challenge them to think about their life, you know, because a lot of us don't really like to think about death, but especially when you're young, you know, you just feel like you're going to live forever, you know. Uh, and so it was just cool to um, just, they would listen to me. And uh, uh, one thing I will say that, you know, I shared, I've been able to walk around with Pastor Howard quite a few times and listen to him talk to people. And uh, the biggest thing I could say that I picked up off of Pastor Howard besides all that he taught us was just uh, the compassion behind the way he speaks. And so 
that was that was all I tried to do, regardless of how they answered me. And I just really tried to put myself in their shoes and just imagine how they're feeling uh, in that moment. Some random guy walking up to them, trying to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. It's awkward, um, you know, for some people. And so I just, you know, I was compassionate and just tried to make them feel as comfortable and less awkward and just really get them to take that moment to just just think about where am I going to go when I die? Do, you, do I think about that? Have I ever thought about it? Uh, you know, where do I stand with Jesus? And um, uh, so it was just it was just a, a, a really good time. And, um, you know, probably I've been saved almost four years. And out of all the witnesses, all the outreach I've ever done, I've probably only prayed with like three people. So to be able to, you know, pray with eight people one night, it was just wow. like it was joyous. I was just I couldn't go to sleep last night. Like I was just like, <laughs> you know, just. It's just exciting, uh, you know, just to do something for God like that and just to see God use somebody like me. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's just truly awesome. So, yeah. Praise God. Appreciate all of them. If you got your Bible, Colossians 1 tonight, Colossians chapter uh, 1. Uh, amen. My wife was telling me about a, a story she read online about a 40-year-old man who got COVID. He refused to get the vaccine. His last words were, I should have got the shot. Now, I'm not here to tell you to get the vaccine or not. That's totally up to you. I'm not here to, that's totally up to you. What I am saying tonight, let us not live with regrets, especially when it comes to the way we're serving God. We don't want to get to the end of the road uh, in our Christian life and say, man, I wish I would have. I wish I'd have done this or done that. So that in mind, let's go to Colossians 1 tonight. We're starting verse 18. It said, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Verse 20, And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now has, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached in every, uh, to every creature in heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, I'm asking you tonight for your wisdom, your direction. God, anointing of God, I pray tonight, let your uh, conviction, God, reach in every heart and life. God, we would not leave as we came. God, draw us closer to you. God, decisions be made tonight. Uh, for you in Jesus' name, amen. So in short, our scripture is telling us tonight, Jesus is Lord, Savior before all and above all. He conquered sin, hell, Satan, and the grave, and he is the head of the church. Uh, in short, that's what Paul said in that scripture tonight. And because of who Jesus is and what he has done, he has preeminence or superiority over everything. Because Jesus died on the cross, his life, was, his blood was shed for you and I, 
Uh, amen. He has preeminence, uh, uh, superiority over everything, and that's good for you and I. You know, Christianity works well when Jesus is first. Listen, when we put Jesus first tonight, we have dominion, we have joy, we have peace of mind. But when Jesus isn't first, our lives, uh, in our lives we suffer mentally and spiritually. I see that you can tell the difference when uh, one person's here, you tell Jesus is first, uh, and there's another person here, Jesus is somewhere on the list. Uh, there's a big difference. So I'm preaching out a sermon I've titled, Where is Jesus on your list? Uh, so where is Jesus on your list? So let's look first tonight, not, even, not forgetting who we were or who we are. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Now we were created in his image to love, serve, uh, and to live a life pleasing to God. When God created us, uh, amen, he created us with every intention for us to, uh, to walk beside him, to love him, serve him, do his will, have a relationship. That's why we were created. But we know sin came along and separated us from God and made us enemies of God. Uh, uh, Genesis 6, 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continuously. You know, sin is like yeast tonight. It only takes a little bit. Genesis 3, uh, sin started with one act of disobedience. Just one act uh, uh, where Eve, you know, we know she took from the tree, ate uh, the apple, orange, whatever you want to call it. She ate the fruit from that tree. Uh, from one act of disobedience, three chapters later, three chapters later, every intent of thought of the heart was evil continuously. From one sin of disobedience, uh, it traveled now to all humanity and filled every heart. Uh, think about that, every thought. Every thought of the mind was evil continuously. Uh, sin took over. So sin separated us and made us enemies with God. What drove us through Christ was that we knew we were sinners. When I was a sinner, I knew I was a sinner. Amen. I knew that. Nobody had to tell me that. Uh, it drove me to Christ. Uh, uh, we knew that we were on our way to hell. Nobody had to tell me that. We were tormented, filled with guilt and shame. Uh, if you'd be honest, that was your life before salvation. The, the guilt, the shame was just too much. Uh, and we're overloaded. Many people get depressed. I had friends commit suicide. Uh, uh, many of them just go into drugs really hard simply because of who they became. Uh, but that's what drove me to Christ. You know, the greatest news after salvation is in verse 22. Jesus will present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Wow, come on. Make me holy, blameless, and above reproach. And then them words were never connected to me for salvation. When somebody looked at my life, there was never holy and blameless in there. There's a lot of other words, but never them. But the Bible said Jesus will present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's good news tonight. That's the miracle that Jesus does in us at salvation. Uh, he does a miracle. Jesus made everything different. Look at verse, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Paul gives us a look at the people he had in his church. You know, sometimes uh, we look at folks in the church, we just kind of, well, I don't know. Look, look at Paul's folks. He mentions fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetousness, drunkards, extortioners. 
Then we're folks in his church. But verse 11, he said, But you were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Uh, in other words, before salvation, it was chaos. Uh, after salvation, it's peace, dominion, and hope. Uh, uh, Jesus took these destroyed, messed up lives uh, uh, and totally redid them. Amen. In the natural, if they had friends that would come and look at them, uh, they may still knew them from their past, but Paul said, let's say miracles take place, uh, or it's taking place now. You're washed, you're justified, you're sanctified in the name of Jesus Christ. That's good news tonight. And that happens to every born-again Christian, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, amen. So once we get saved, a miracle takes place. Hallelujah. We're no longer this uh, mess, uh, chaotic mess, but now, as Paul said, we're sanctified, justified, and made right with God. You know, not only did Jesus make everything new, but to our astonishment, he begins to use us. <laughs> he gives us gifts and talents uh, and lets you and I minister to his people in the church. Now, that's, that's risky on God's part. God saves us, redeems us, uh, and now gives us gifts and allows us to minister into his church, Ephesians 4.11. But he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. I never thought God would ever use my life growing up. Before salvation, I never thought that God was going to use my life. Uh, but once I got saved, I, I desired that, I wanted that, and now God has been doing that. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. To one he has given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith, to another the gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. Uh, uh, but one and the same Spirit works in all things, distributing to each uh, and individually as He will. So God's involved. Amen. When, uh, when you came to Jesus because of the chaotic mess uh, the, that sin made in your life, and you're honest, you came uh, in humility to Christ, you, He did a miracle in you. Now He's using you. God is definitely involved in your life. You know, after I got saved, after I was saved for some months, my pastor came to me and said, hey, uh, there's a spot open in the drama team. Would you like to get in? I said, absolutely. He said, but there's some requirements. Be all the church, be at all the church service, be a tither, come to outreach. Uh, and I said, that's it? That's all I have to do to be in ministry? I mean, think about it. Going from this filthy, unclean, messed up sinner to now being used by God, that's all I have to do is be faithful. <laughs> that's all I have to do is be faithful to God and I can be in ministry. Wow. Come on. It's a wow, isn't it? I mean, God says you can just be faithful. Listen, I can use you. So secondly tonight, I'll look at the lie of once saved, always saved. And no doubt if you've been around for a while, you've heard that, you've dealt with people. I got saved when I was three. I know I'm smoking and drinking, lying and cheating uh, uh, now, but I'm still saved because I prayed back then. 
and I, I spent some time in Africa as a missionary. It was a heavy spirit over there. I'm talking to people that are involved in all kinds of uh, demonic and the witchcraft in the villages, and because a missionary had come through there years before, maybe at their parents' time, and, and people got to say, they think, hey, we're right with God. I, uh, I said, listen, no, 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 that's not what that means. So after Paul speaks to them about salvation in our text, he says these words, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Now continue grounded, steadfast, and movable. These words mean something tonight. Uh, amen. They don't mean just do whatever you want, whenever you want. So Paul is saying something. Yeah, you've been saved. Uh, God did a wonderful miracle in your life, taking you as a filthy sinner as you were, uh, cleaned you up, washed you, you're sanctified, you're clean. Uh, but now you have to do something. You've got to be grounded, steadfast, and movable. Uh, You've got to continue here. Let me break these words down a bit. This word continue means persist uh, in an activity or persist in Christianity. Uh, amen. Persist, not just hang around, but you're persisting. Uh, you're pushing uh, forward. Amen. You're serious about this. You're living for God with a seriousness in mind. Uh, persist in an activity. You're grounded. That means not carried away. Steadfast, it means to be Resolve and duly firm and unwavering. Unmovable means to maintain without interruption. So Paul said, listen, uh, what God has done in you, if you will maintain that uh, and keep going in that, listen, it's going to turn out really good for you. Come on. You know, the devil from the birth of the church has been lying to believers, saying things like, you don't have to be all in. You don't have to tithe, love people, be faithful, be available, be accountable, be committed. Uh, and we can go on and on, but that's his big lie. Listen, you can serve God any way you want. Now, we know that's not true in marriage. That's not true in uh, other relationships we know about. Uh, you couldn't tell your boss, hey, I'll just come in when I want to come in. But I want paid every Friday. I'll come in maybe one, maybe one or two days a week. I'll be late, you know, and all that. But I still want a full paycheck. That wouldn't work, would it? No, because that job requires things. Uh, your marriage requires things. Uh, it means you're going to love each other, care for each other, serve each other, uh, be there every day for each other. Uh, and that's the bond of marriage. Uh, so we know this in relationships, but when it comes to church, uh, people kind of get weird sometimes. I can do this however I want to do it, uh, in whatever way I want. Uh, well, uh, James answers uh, that lie, Satan's lie here in James 1.21. So therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. The implanted word. That means that word is deep in there. It's planted. It's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not something you can just uproot and move uh, and do whatever you want. It's implanted in there. The Word of God gets down in you, and He goes on, uh, uh, meet that implanted Word which is able to save your soul. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So when you're only here, it's easy to be deceived. If you just hear something, uh, it's easy to be deceived, but when you're a doer, when you're involved, when your hand's to the plow, when you're involved and you're there, 
uh, listen, there's a, there's a grace of God there with you that helps you make right decisions and gives you a little bit of discernment here. In short, James says, put away sin and then be a doer of the word. You know, you're never too strong to fall. I've had some people say, I'm so strong, there's no way I'll never fall. I'll never fall short. Well, the truth is, if you quit doing what Christians do, reading your Bible, praying, outreach, giving, fellowshipping, faithful church, uh, it's just a matter of time. When you quit doing what Christians do, uh, you're strong because you do what Christians do. Amen. That's what made you strong. Uh, reading your Bible, witnessing uh, a fellowship, these things make you strong. Coming to church, being faithful, there's a strength given to you, but you quit doing that stuff. Uh, listen, uh, it's going to really weaken you. Second Timothy 4, verse 10, For Demas has forsaken me, this is the Apostle Paul, having loved this world, this present world, and has departed uh, forth Thessalonica. You know, Demas is mentioned three times in Paul's epistles. In Philemine, at once, Paul calls Demas a fellow worker. In Colossian, Demon, Demas is mentioned as, uh, along beside Luke as a, a fellow servant. Uh, but here in Timothy, Paul with a broken heart. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, uh, and has departed forth this night. Demas was a strong man. He was a disciple. He was there. He was laboring with Paul as a worker. Uh, but now... Uh, amen. Demas has forsaken me. He has departed uh, for Thessalonica. What happened? Uh, Paul said he has loved this present world. Jesus said this way in Mark 4, 19, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things, uh, entering in, choked the word, and it become unfruitful. Amen. He was strong, but he quit doing what Christians do. Uh, and this world uh, thing came in uh, and began to choke. How many of you have been choked? I remember when I was like 16 and wasn't very smart, like a lot of teenagers. Uh, there was a thing going around at, when I was 16, you're choking yourself. Wasn't very smart, I know it, but uh, uh, I did it. So I'm at work, and, I, and for, you know, for some reason, me, me and these teenagers were challenging, as I choked, and I passed out. And when I passed out, I woke up, man, the big old knot on my head. I had this massive headache. Uh, I told you, why didn't you catch me? You go, I know you're going to fall, you know, and I know you're going to choke, you know. And anyway, that's what teenagers do sometimes. But, uh, but anyway, this is, Jesus said, uh, the things of the world get into you and choke you. Uh, this is the this is a scene, uh, uh, amen, when you quit being strong as a Christian, uh, these worldly things can creep in there and choke you. You know, salvation is a way of life. It's more than just words or deeds. It's more than just a good talk. Uh, it's a way of life. It says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope uh, of the gospel which you have heard, uh, it's a way of life. Amen. I'm a Christian. I hang around Christians. Uh, my involvement is with Christians because we all think the same. Uh, it's a way of life. Uh, uh, amen. That's why uh, drunks hang around drunks. It's their way of life. Uh, drug addicts hang around drug addicts. Uh, uh, fornicators hang around fornicators. Uh, uh, but Christians, it's a way of life. Amen. Ephesians 4.20 
but you have not learned Christ if indeed you have learned him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct the old man which was corrupt or grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the mind of your the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. When you're a Christian, you live like a Christian. There's a way of life. Uh, and Paul said, listen, one of the first marks of Christianity, you're putting off the old man. I mean, when I got saved, uh, I had a lot of baggage. A lot of things I brought into the kingdom uh, of God. I was a, I was a sinner. I, I, was, I was one of them sinners, man. I, was, uh, I wasn't just a sinner a little bit. I was a sinner all the way. I, got, I went as far as I could. Uh, I had to put away a lot of stuff. But you know what? When I got saved, I didn't want to do them anymore. I wanted to put on Christ. I wanted to come to church. I wanted to live for God. I wanted to be righteous and holy. And I began to put on as much as I could, hang around uh, people in the church, build relationships. Uh, that's what uh, Paul's talking about. It's a way of life. You can tell when somebody's saved because they have the markings of Christianity. You know, I was in Africa, I heard a sermon one time, talk, and it, the sermon was called The Mother's Stripes. It talked about zebras. Every zebra has a different stripe on their butt. Now, if you look at them, you don't think they do, but they do. Everyone is different. And that's how the baby knows who the mama is uh, out of the herd. Uh, many times the herd gets all mixed up. The lions come in and chase them, uh, or they're spooked, and... But that baby looks for the mother's mark. Uh, that's how he finds mama where he can come and eat. Uh, the Christianity has marks. It's a way of life. Uh, uh, amen. And Colossians 3.9, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Uh, the mark of Christianity, you look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. Uh, his words, his actions uh, uh, are beginning to flow through your life. You're talking the same language. Uh, can you say amen? That's why reading your Bible is very critical. I looked at my Bible reading program today, 117 days without a break reading my Bible. I think it's as long as I've made it without any breaks. I'm like, yes, a great victory for me. And I'm telling you, I need that. If I go a day or two without reading my Bible, it's like I, I'm, it's like I'm fasting, I'm hurting. I need it. So salvation is a way of life. Amen. You know, if you're truly born again, serving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, uh, you know the doctrine once saved, always saved, is a lie. It doesn't take long and much to know that if you're really living for God. Uh, most people use that line uh, 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 because they want to live in sin. I had a heartbreaking situation, I was back in another church, Pittsburgh, Kansas, pastoring there, had a lady gloriously saved in the church, was saved for some years in the house of God there, and but she got caught up in sin again, she got caught up with some guy, and she eventually began to do drugs and live that lifestyle again, uh, and she's convicted, she wants to get saved, she wants to get it right, but she went by this other uh, Christian somehow, uh, wherever they met, uh, he goes, oh, no, no, you're saved. You're still right with God. You're just, uh, you're just kind of lost right now. You're just kind of off the trail, but you're still good with God. You're still a child of God. And she knew that was wrong. She knew she was in sin. She knew she was filled back up with all the filth of the world. Uh, and 
I started telling her, hey, listen, no, that's not right. And I started, but, but that lie really weighed on her. But when you're truly born again, you know it's a lie. First Timothy 6.12, Paul told Timothy, salvation is a fight beginning to end. Uh, he said, fight the good fight, lay hold of eternal life. Why would he say this if one saved all he saved? Why you have to fight for it? Why you have to lay hold of eternal life? To which you are also called and have, have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God to, uh, who gives you all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession uh, before Pontius Pilate, verse 14, that you keep his commandments without spot and blemish uh, and be blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ appears. Uh, He's telling Timothy, listen, uh, you've got to fight for this thing. You have to keep yourself clean. Look, thirdly tonight, never forget who Jesus is. And I believe one of the reasons that people get off track uh, is we simply kind of, it's a slow fade. Our text says it this way. Jesus is the head of the body. The church is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things uh, that he may have preeminence. You know, when I hear people say, me and Jesus have an understanding. I know the big guy upstairs. I'm like, you don't have a clue who Jesus is. Jesus is not your equal. He's not your bud. He's not just your hangout partner. The Bible said he is the head, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and he has preeminence. He has, superior, he has superiority over all things. Uh, uh, you're not just going to hang out. There has to be a reverence. There has to be an all. Uh, I mean, just a reverence that grips your heart. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus heals a man that was paralyzed, and look at their response. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose before them, took up, what he had been laying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Look at verse 26. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Their response to the people were uh, amazed, glorified God, and filled with fear. That has to be in you. That's knowing who Jesus is. Uh, the looking at Jesus as he's there as he speaks the words and gives strength and life to this crippled man uh, and the miracle and what happens in their heart has to happen uh, in every heart here. There has to be an amazement. When I come to church, I'm amazed uh, of what God is doing, what God done. Uh, there's a godly fear that resides in me. I'm glorifying God because, listen, I don't ever want to lose that because God is not my equal. He is my, uh, he's preeminence here. Exodus 20, verse 18. So all the people that witnessed, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, and the sound of a trumpet in the mountain smoking. And the people saw it, they were they they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak to us, for we will, and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. They knew, uh, listen, we're not equal here. Amen. God is so awesome. God is so powerful. God is so mighty. Even to hear His words uh, put such a fear in our hearts, uh, put such a fear in our lives that we think we're going to die. Look what Moses said in, in Hebrews 12, 21. 
Speaking about the presence of God. So terrified with the sight, Moses said, I am extremely afraid and trembling. Let me ask you, what is your attitude when you come to church? What's your attitude? Is there just a, oh, God, thanks for saving me. Is there humility? Is there thanksgiving? Psalms 2.11, serve the Lord with fear and with trembling. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this doesn't mean that we've got to come in just on our hands and knees uh, and be afraid that God's going to hurt us. Never, but no, it's just saying there has to be a reverence. It has to be such a holy reverence in you and I, uh, uh, just an amazement of what God's doing. That has to be there. And without that, listen, uh, we're going to venture off. I know Jesus deserves our best tonight. He did the heavy lifting tonight. He went to the cross. Uh, he defeated hell in the grave. He saved, restored uh, our lives and gave us a destiny. He did the heavy lifting. And he deserves uh, a certain lifestyle out of us. He deserves our best, our, our worship, our, our praise that belongs to him. Anything less than that is not good enough. Paul 3.12. Paul says, I'm giving them all. He says this way. Not that I've already obtained or already been perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus laid hold of for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching towards those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Uh, Paul said, only one way to serve God, and that's all you can do, man. Press in, uh, give it your all. Hebrews 6.11 And we desire that each one of you show, uh, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith with patience inherit the promise. One of the problems today is that uh, Christianity has gotten sluggish. It's like uh, you talk to a lot of Christians, eh, you know, you just, there's no yes, there's no thrill, there's no amazement, yeah, I'm going to do something for God. It's like this sluggish thing. You know, I don't know if you're following any of the Olympics, but most of them have been disappointment. But there's one, uh, Olympian uh, gold medalist, uh, uh, Tamara, if I say her name right, Stock, Tamara Stock. So I'm grateful to have growing up in America now representing America in Tokyo Olympics. Isn't that a breath of fresh air? We've heard the other ones. You know, they're throwing down the flag and doing their thing. But, uh, but it, I mean, it's refreshing to hear this. You know, it's wonderful when you hear Christians talk about how gracious and wonderful it is to be saved. How wonderful their home church is. Uh, how how. Wonderful it is to be in ministry and be a part of what God does. That's a breath of fresh air because you hear so much other stuff. So when you hear somebody just thankful and, and just happy to be in church, to have a home church, uh, have a pastor, brother, and, uh, and ha- I mean, it's just refreshing. Luke 17, verse 11. Jesus gives a picture of much of the church world today. It says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. They passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers. 
and stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go your way, or go, show yourself to the priest. So as it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one, and the, and the, and one of them, uh, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his knees at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, verse 17. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where, were, uh, where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. One out of ten showed their thanksgiving. Now, they may have been grateful. Hey, I'm thinking I'm healed. Uh, but, uh, I mean, church is important. Living for God, a location. This man came back to where Jesus was, uh, fell down on his knees and expressed thankfulness uh, and thanksgiving uh, and drew a response from Jesus. Jesus, hey, uh, your faith has made you well. Uh, but listen, we cannot, get, uh, we cannot get away from this thankfulness uh, and this appreciation of what God has done. You know, let us not lose the gratefulness of just being saved. Being saved, being delivered, uh, and healed on our way to heaven. I mean, if that's it, that's enough. I mean, think about when we breathe our last breath, we're going to heaven. If there's nothing else, that's enough. I mean, think about where we were before salvation. We were in a life of misery, or most of us was, uh, tormented by different sins. And, and, and the greatest torment, we knew when we died, we are going to go to hell. I remember Dennis Wright asked me, he first witnessed, where are you going to go if you die now? I go, I don't even think about that. Because I knew where I was going. He said, you don't have to go there. Truth is, you know, life's not perfect. We go through things, we have our setbacks, our struggles, our disappointments, but it should never affect how we serve God. It should never affect our attitude towards God. Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angel nor principality nor power nor things present nor things to come nor heights nor depths nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said it doesn't matter where I'm at. It's not going to affect my relationship with Jesus. Whatever I go through in life, I'll deal with it. I'll get through it. But listen, I'm going to keep my heart right. I'm going to keep my service right, my attitude right, and I'm living for God. Let me close here. First, don't forget who you were before you were saved. Sometimes we, it's easy to forget that how desperate we were, how miserable we were, how, how we needed Jesus. Two, don't believe the one saved always saved. It's because you got saved when you're 5 or 10 or 20 or 30. If you're not living right now, you're not saved. Three, God deserves our best. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.